Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. In the following episode, I'll be covering some, well, historical people from Latvia that I've wanted to cover up for a while now, but who've been kind of pushed to sidelines by history. You see, there's a certain kind of feel to the history books and, in general, studies about Latvians here. We like to paint ourselves as some sort of victim people, or we like to portray ourselves as some sort of you know, very prudish and, and proper and, and nice people who've never done anything wrong, obviously, or, or whatnot. But that is clearly not the case. There are some studies of some truly insane, weird Latvians who just deserve to be one of the better-known Latvians in general in the, in the world. And even if you're Latvian, I think you might find some of the information here to be interesting to your needs. And, hey, I'm pretty sure you never learned about these guys in school. About 95% sure, because the thing that they don't tell you at school is that we have a long and proud history of anarchism, bomb-throwing, and absolute mad lads doing weird-ass exploration. Now, if you've been following the Mike Duncan's Revolution series, then you might have heard, well, 1905 revolution hit us here, the Baltics, especially hard. And we'll get to that, of course, but um, a lot of the people about whom we'll be talking because I'm not sure how many I will cover in this episode and how many I'll cover in the next one, because our first person is going to be, well, quite huge in every way possible. Also extremely, extremely kind of photogenic if you look at the pictures of him. And um, he's also responsible for the British people now carrying guns around. British cops, that is. Which is going to be fun. But in general, a lot of these people went abroad and did their, I'd call them mad shenanigans, after the revolution of 1905, when they had to flee, at that time, Russian Empire from being persecuted for their political activities, or some of them, as you'll hear later, didn't want to join the army, and things like that. They, these are all people who've done something extraordinary, but who are all, in one way or another, tied to the aftermath of the 1905 revolution. And, well, this is one of the stories that I truly wanted to do for a long while, the problem is that finding authentic sources here in Latvia is 
even pretty difficult. And you have to look at some documentaries, and you have to go and study people who knew them. Some of the claims that these people have told about themselves is also kind of iffy. But, you know, this might be one of the more academic and biographical episodes, but trust me, if you like the previous Soviet tanks one, oh boy, you'll probably enjoy this episode and the next one even more. Then. I want to start with Peter the Painter, also known as Peter Pyatkov. He was the leader of a gang of Latvian anarchists and criminals in the early 20th century Britain. He fought in and escaped the Sydney Street Siege in 1911, and he became an anti-hero in London's East End, and he was never caught, really. Now, there are a number of candidates for the true identity of Peter the Painter, because Peter Pyatkov was not his name, and he was frequently identified with uh, Yakov Peters, who was tried but acquitted for his involvement in the Sydney Street affair, and who later became a Czech agent after the Russian Revolution. And, for example, scholars like Donald Rambolo identified like this Peters guy with the painter. However, in 1988, based on research in the KGB archives, the historian of anarchism, Philip Roof, suggested Peter the painter might in fact be Jedert's Elias, a Latvian artist involved in the 1905 revolution and who lived in exile during the time of the siege. Siege of Sydney Street. We'll get to that later. He also returned to Riga after the 1917 revolution. However, this option has been turned away because this misunderstanding happened as on the wanted posters, truly there were pictures of Jedar Celias instead of, you know, Peter the Painters. Because Jedar Celias had nothing to do with this. However, the latest theory is that Peter the Painter was one Jan Jacques or Jackals. I guess that's how you anglicize his name, who was another Latvian far leftist. Like Jakov Peters, Jacques, whom we're pretty sure at this point actually was Peter the Painter's real name, was a member of the Latvian Social Democratic Workers' Party in 1905. And, well, he started his criminal career by breaking Fritz Svars, who also was involved in um, a Latvian radical group in London, with all the nice things that happened at 100th Sydney Street in January 1911. Jacques associated with Elias in exile in Finland, where they were also involved together in the robbing of a bank. He broke off with the Social Democrats, Peter the Painter, that is, and became an anarchist later on. However, we still don't know what exactly happened to him after 1911 and this famous criminal activity thing. We have some sort of ideas, but we'll get to them later. However, we also know that Another member that I'll be mentioning later on, who worked in his gang and helped him rob banks, was Ed Lietzkalnin, or Edvard Lietzkalnin, and you might have heard of him if you've ever been to Coral Castle in Florida, or, which I highly recommend, listened to the Astonishing Legends episode on this person. Also, the type of gun Peter the Painter allegedly used at Sydney Street, a German Mauser C96 pistol, was also sometimes called a Peter the Painter after him. This, by the way, happened particularly in Ireland during the War of Independence, and, well, a bit later. This is kind of weird, because I never really thought that I'd be talking about a Latvian bomb-throwing anarchist here, but oh boy, it's, it's well worth it. Like I stated, Philip Proof, the historian of anarchists, he's identified Peter the Painter as a revolutionary known as Janis Jacques. Jacques was born in Saldus in 1883. Saldus is a kind of a small town in the Kronian Kurland province. 
According to his local parish church register, he was born on July the 19th. He had an older brother, Carlos, or Charles, and an older sister, Anna, and two younger sisters, Charlotte Maria and Catherine. He had a cousin, Christaps, who was the illegitimate son of the German baron Heinrich von Mirbach and a maid of his, Maria, from the Neuhof mansion. This maid, Maria, was forced to marry a Latvian called Adam. And this is one of the reasons why uh, Mr. Janusz Zaklis, or just Peter the Painter, as I'll call him, because same identity, and it's, well, Janusz Zaklis is kind of a bit more difficult to pronounce than cool, nice-sounding Peter the Painter. Um, he had a deep hatred of Germans. Janusz's dad was also called Janusz. Janusz is basically John, and it's just the most common name in Latvia. But uh, Peter the Painter's mom, Margaret Talberg, according to official documents, was a Lutheran Jew. She was a woman who was wealthy enough to buy a land from the Baron, but she was very much disliked by the relatives of her husband because of her Jewish origins. Also, she was a baptized Jew, which was at that point excluded from her Jewish family circles. Nonetheless, she was quite wealthy, and she ensured that Peter the Painter had a quite a good education for the time. He went to one of the local schools until the age of 11, and there he met teacher Gustav Slatis, by the way, who was pretty much documented and recognized as one of the main participants of the 1905 local uprisings. After this, Peter the Painter went to Kuldiga, a bit larger town in the same area, where he had four years at a private school held there locally. At the age of 16, he went to the German classical gymnasium of Kuldiga. And, well, obviously, this whole thing cost a lot of money. And at that point, well, his family had to provide for this. Which was provided by his dad and, well, uncle. Who, at that time, his uncle Yuris, was a colonel in the Russian Engineer Battalion, located in Belarus. So, well, this seemingly wealthy young student, who was at that time fluent in German, Russian, French, and Yiddish was forced to quit his studies in 1901 and left Kuldiga. The reason was poor health and, well, the money at that point had started running out. But he had quite good skills in, well, a lot of subjects and he was quite smart. All this information, <clears throat> he had a bit too much to think for a citizen, obviously, in the Russian Empire. This whole led him to um, socialist ideas, which at that time was a very common and popular trend within most of the Russian Empire. In 1901, he went down to Talsi, which is at nearby Kuldiga, where apparently he had an arranged meeting with one Janis Linde, who owned a bookshop there. Together, they founded the first illegal social democratic organization. The third guy who joined them at that point was the 27-year-old Julius Kosmers from Riga, who made contacts with the underground Baltic Latvian social democratic workers organization. All of these things are, well, social democratic workers organizations. And, well, the next year, Peter the Painter, Linda, and Cosmers, these guys were basically leading the Tal's cell of, well, this workers' organization. And next year, in 1903, Tsarist police caught a good friend of his, and um, bad things started to happen in Peter the Painter's life. Peter the Painter's friend, Fritzis, he was a 20-year-old student. He was spreading out leaflets with socialist slogans. He was reported by his schoolmate and arrested afterwards. Police made a search and uh, discovered his handwritten proclamations. He was then tortured and forced to name Peter the Painter as the one who gave the text for his weird handwritten letters. 
The cops then tried to arrest Peter the Painter, searched for him all across all the nearby areas, but at that point, when he found out that he was a bit in trouble, he was already in Belarus with his uncle in Babrusk, which at that point also was uh, quite a popular place, like Belarus, that is, to go if you wanted to do some bits of crazy revolutionary stuff. You see, at that time, Babrusk was a center of Jewish revolutionary party Bund activities in Belarus. It was founded, this called Cell of the Bundists, which were kind of a Jewish socialist group there in the Russian Empire, mostly focused around Belarus and Lithuania. And, well, it was founded there in 1898. And already in 1903, yeah, they had uh, formed combat units to counter possible pogroms. You know, always an option in that era. And after Peter the Painter joined them, the group, in 1904, May the 1st, Babrusk workers made a general strike. That was basically in solidarity with strikes happening all over Russia. There, the railway station was blocked. And a crowd of 800 people, with our friend Peter the Painter, or Janusz Zaklis, was among them. On May 28th, same year, he was arrested for spreading illegal socialist literature. He was taken to the local prison, where his prison photograph perfectly resembles the man later seen in the British police wanted posters. Zaklis wrote pleas of appeal to Kurland Provincial Police. He was, however, accused together with um, his friend, Fritz Ratkant, of, well, obvious anti-governmental activities. Ratkant, however, managed to escape to Britain before the trials. The local Minsk authorities no longer needed him and set him free on April the 27th after he paid the bailout sum of 300 rubles. Peter the Painter then came to Valmier, in one of the large cities in Vizeme, but soon decided that it wasn't for him, and he went to rural areas around the small town of Sabile, again in Courland. He was always under police monitoring, and made money as a house painter, which is, hence the name, Peter the Painter. Also, to divert police attention, he regularly wrote to them about his poor health problems. Because, well, he was way far from giving up on politics. The Latvian Social Democratic Workers' Party was founded in 1904 and had its Talse Tukums branch. Our buddy Peter the Painter managed to sneak past his police monitoring and went to Riga, our capital, at the end of 1904. As a painter and an artist, he tried to enter the center of the Latvian political activities. The police finished the investigation on his actions in, in Belarus, but failed to put him on trial since, well, his buddy Ratkans was gone. His case was closed, same as the one in Belarus. On January 11th, 1905, the police returned his personal documentation. On January 13th, a massive workers' demonstration in Riga ended in massive bloodbath as the Tsarist police fired at the crowd and, well, happenings in Riga turned out to be the bloodiest among all the things happening in 1905. However, this bloodbath truly was just the beginning of the revolution of 1905 in Latvia. Jacques, Peter, vanished from the police's eyes and became, well, they want the criminal. At this point, Janusz Zaklis is just no longer, basically, just like Cobb later on. He was never again known by his real name. His undercover name was Surveyor. Quite a possible choice for such a cover name was a Latvian novel written by Brothers Kaudzitis, The Times of Surveyors, where during the land reform, a weird bandit, Grabovskis, poses as a surveyor and steals enormous amounts of money. And he's not caught, everyone fails to catch him, and that causes a lot of tragedies. And, well, quite likely that Peter the Painter chose this surveyor nickname for the time because of this novel, because it quite, well, likely 
seem to appeal to his um, later activities, so to speak. Now, after the bloody events of January 13th, where 64 people died, Peter the Painter became an active member of the Social Democrats in Riga. As the head of the Central Committee Technical Commission, he was responsible for, well, terrorist activities. Literally. This whole Central Committee decided to, enough's enough, and, uh, well, let's throw some bombs. Zaklis was assigned to gather weapons and money for this noble endeavor. At that time, well, the Social Democrats had a force of about 200 men that were involved in robbing magazines and army patrols to gain weapons. And in short time, Zaklis became the commander of the Revolutionary Battle Units, as they called themselves. He was responsible for blowing up the Jalgavariga Railroad, one of the largest in Latvia, and damaging the telegraph lines. And of course, on May the 1st, 1905, a general strike was called. Despite this, Social Democrats refused to take an open part in it, fearing the armed Tsarist patrols. They feared they might be killed by police guards, because, uh... Just before that, Jacques and another anarchist, Petris Lapsa, had killed some of them in Griezenkans using bombs. That uh, put the Social Democrats kind of off, because, yeah, police reprisals would be a bit harsh. Hello there. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of The Eastern Border. We are so happy to announce that this episode is brought to you by our friends at Rusansov.com. If you're looking to buy new art, don't forget to use the code EASTERNBORDER for a discount on us. Remember, head over to Rusansov.com and happy shopping! If, however, you want to support our show directly, head over to patreon.com or our website theeasternborder.lv to find out how you can help out. For all things Eastern Border, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Discord. And as always, thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate each and every one of you. That's all from me now. See you online. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Despite the fact that the Social Democratic Workers' Party had called not to start an armed uprising, at the same time, in one of the largest port cities of Latvia, Liepāja, military sailors, angered by the fact that um, they had been served meat full with maggots, well, that's kind of the spark of all the situation, but hey, well, a reason's a reason, right? They had begun an uprising, but were defeated ultimately. The armed actions were sporadic and caused Tsarist authorities to strike back. On August the 19th, a state of emergency was called, and many revolutionaries were arrested. Then, on September, Peter the Painter, 
at that point called the Surveyor, took the command of a rescue operation to release his comrades in the Riga Central Prison. His buddies, Yuli Schlesers and Janis Latis, two who were senior fighters in the group, they had been sentenced to death. The large prison was assaulted on September the 7th by 52 men from the Latvian Social Democrats and the Jewish Bundists. Our friend Surveyor was the commander of the attacking force. Four attack groups formed by him infiltrated the prison and managed to rescue Schlesers and Latis. Under heavy gunfire, the attackers made it back to their safe houses, achieving one of the most notable victories of the 1905 revolution. Now, October-November of 1905 was a kind of tough period for the group. The general strike of October 13th and following Tsar Nicholas II's manifesto, which had promised open elections of the state Duma and the new constitution, well, this whole thing basically ended up with Riga being under the dual rule between the Workers' Federal Committee and the Tsarist authorities. Local Black Hundred groups were looking to start up pogroms against the Jews, and, well, on October 22nd, from the opposing side, our friend Peter the Painter, with his buddies, stopped a pogrom from taking place. Latvian Social Democrats managed to defeat the Black Hundreds here in various brutal street battles on the next consequent days. Similarly, Jews were rescued in a lot of other towns across the Russian Empire. It wasn't just in Riga. Same things happened in Kiev and Kishinev and various other cities, really. However, this whole uneasy peace and struggle between the Tsarist authorities and the workers, yeah, more bad things were about to happen. Another state of emergency was again called in December. Latvian countryside erupted in flames. Mansions were burned. Towns were taken over gunfights. Now, at this point, our buddy Edvard Sliatskalnic, the guy who built the Coral Castle, this is the point where he uh, burns down his uh, baron's mansion and possibly shoots him. Fun times. We'll get to that character a bit later. On November 24th, Peter the Painter, together with uh, his friend Lapsa, arrived in Skriveri from Riga. Skriveri is kind of a smaller town, not a very huge one. And um, they then attacked the mansion of the Riga regional general governor August von Henning. The mansion was, as you would expect, promptly burned down, and Henning was killed by the orders of Peter the Painter. In the following counter-strike by the General Stern, the revolutionaries were crushed by the Tsarist forces, however. Because, well, although it took him a bit of time, however, by the December the 1st, the reinforcements constantly being sent in, yeah, they stopped the rebellion. I mean, they were armed troops, after all. However, our buddy Peter the Painter and his buddy Lopsa escaped by literally murdering the rest of senior Tsarist officers. Now, obviously, there was bloody revenge incoming, and uh, we had multiple punitive expeditions which killed thousands of Latvian peasants, but uh, Peter the Painter, at that point, was gone from the operation. Now, after all of this mess, our buddy Peter the Painter became even more violent, alienating his, well, party comrades, because Social Democrats were not very fond of such massive violence. On, the tem- on December 20th, he organized a night raid on the Provodnik factory, which was, at that point, occupied by, <clears throat> quote, raging Russian dragoons, end quote. To stop the constant abuse of workers, and, well, occasional rapes even, the revolutionaries surprised the sleeping dragoons, murdering 17 and injuring 20 of them. All of the weapons and ammunition were obviously stolen. However, the party leadership of the Social Democrats was clearly not impressed, and they noted the anarchist tendencies within our buddy Peter the Painter. 
he was replaced by one Martin Luther Bobis as the commander. Following that, on January 1906, large numbers of revolutionaries were arrested. On January 17th, armed group of revolutionaries attacked the Riga secret police building, releasing, well, said commander Martin Luther Bobis and Fritz Svars. Fritz Svars is um, very important. He'll become more important later because he's one of the killed gang members and the Sydney Street Siege. Together with Peter the Painter, he raided this Provodnik factory, was arrested on December 31st, and was betrayed by one of his comrades, under the nickname of Ziadinch. However, as you might have guessed, Peter the Painter was not among the arrested. He, well, decided to do something about his buddies. He devised a nice little cunning plan, and uh, they succeeded attacking the main building of the secret police in the center during, well, literally, broad daylight. Our buddy Peter, together with Luthers Bobis and three other comrades, then escaped to Petersburg. There, they immediately started the armed revolutionary activities. Well, you know, the usual time. Attacking post offices, banks, and shops. It was commonly known to them as <clears throat> expropriation. Familiar term if you've listened to any of my other series. They used their kind of criminal activities to gather money for underground activities and um, help for their Latvian comrades. They were quite successful because despite two secret police agents having infiltrated within the Latvian group, Tsarist police failed to stop them from attacking the Union Bank at Helsingfros, which is now Helsinki in Finland. They robbed the bank, stealing 170,000 rubles. Now, six Latvians of the group were later arrested, but our buddy Peter the Painter escaped as usual, and he was on his way to Germany. As the revolution in Latvian Russia was heading slowly towards defeat, Peter the Painter was in Western Europe organizing arms contraband to Russia. Then, through Switzerland, he went back to Latvia, no longer a social democrat, but by this point a full-fledged anarchist. At this point, Latvian historical sites call him a rage addict because Peter the Painter was clearly impressed by the anarchist teachings of, quote, invisible cycle of revolutions and the so-called invisible dictatorship that would um, ensure order by using force and, well, not law. Inspired by the ideas of Bakunin and Kropotkin, Peter the Painter brought these ideas back home to my country, and then he started inspiring many others. In an anarchist Latvian newspaper, Freedom, at this point, our surveyor called anarchism a natural way of Latvian life not influenced by foreigners. He called his group of supporters myself, words and action. Latvian social democrats were obviously not politically sufficient in uh, the views of Peter the Painter to start a massive revolution that would burn everything to the ground. And he wasn't alone, because many who had similar worldviews with him also left the party and became radical anarchists. The party was in a total shake-up and shambles, which was then started by Peter the Painter. On August 15th, 1906, a manifesto by the Surveyor's Group was issued. Peter the Painter rejected any use of organized orders, party ranks, and committees. Instead, he promoted independent action. The state, as a concept, was rejected. Instead, calls for full breakup of social society and resources were issued. Let's go and take everything by ourselves, he published his brochures in the summer of 1906. By this point, he had become the main anarchist ideologue in Latvia. However, the cops had had enough of uh, Surveyor and his mad lad anarchists. Before we go to the following events here, I'd like to mention that um, 
let's just say that 110 police officers will be killed in the battles and clashes with Peter the Painter and his anarchists. Which is fun. <laughs> On August 14th, 1906, in nighttime, police surrounded the house where they were staying in Stabu Street 65. Which is funny because uh, I grew up in the same block as that house on Stabu 56. Never knew something had happened there, but hey, at least fun. Two of Peter the Painter's comrades, Karl Skrievinch and Anna Zaun, were reported of hiding in there. Police approached the doors and demanded to open them. In return, anarchists opened fire. In the desperate gunfight, until 4 o'clock of August 15th, the couple resisted until they were killed. Well, August 16th. It's 4 a.m. August 16th. The couple resisted, however, they were killed. The crackdown on anarchists was long and extremely painful. A lot of more gunfights erupted. A lot of the anarchists were shot in the spot, others were arrested. However, Peter the Painter again escaped together with his mistress, Lydia Schwarze, also known as Maria Anne, or Your Black Girl, because black's the color of anarchism in Latvia. At that point, he was reported to be in Pskov, but on the end of 1906, we are certain that he left Latvia completely. At this point, he started posting as Piri Pyatkov, or just fully adopted his Peter the Painter idea, and he quite proudly went to the United States. See, we have knowledge that in 1909, he was reported to be in Philadelphia, where the famous photo of him, which were later used in police posters, was taken. Despite the fact that the President of the United States, William McKinley, had been assassinated by the Polish anarchist Leon Czolgosz, who was, by the way, inspired by other Baltic anarchist leader Emma Goldman on 1901, United States proved to be an easy hideout for anarchists from the Russian Empire. In the States, Peter the Painter met Fritz Schwarz again, together with five others who would later become involved in the Houndstitch murders. There, they published Latvian anarchist magazine Freedom in Exile. But just writing about anarchist ideas, uh, yeah, that, that didn't really seem too cool to them. The expropriation methods were once again used. On 1908, February 6th, Peter the Painter, Svars, and Hartmanis robbed two merchants in Woburn, Massachusetts. In a police chase, two policemen and one local were shot. The robbers escaped. Later on, in 1909, well, later in 1909, Peter Pyatkov, or Peter the Painter, again, Jacques Pyatkov, surveyor, Peter the Painter seems to be the best way how to call him once again, he returned to Europe, still hoping to restart the anarchist fight back in Latvia. But, well, traveling back and forth from Latvia to the United States cost a lot of money. Well, know that for personal reasons. So he just decided to do more robberies. Later on, on April the 10th, the same year, three armed Latvians invaded the Scottish Royal Bank in Lancashire County. In resulting gunfight and chase, two were arrested. Posing as local poor Englishmen, the robbers had been well-connected with Peter the Painter. At that point, however, he himself was reportedly in Switzerland and then in France to study medicine and chemistry. Although, again, weird reports of his roundabouts at this period of time just add to the whole mystery, because... Uh, Having, like, good information about a crazy Latvian anarchist who's really not that well-known, at least not in Latvia, yeah, quite difficult. What we know is that he definitely was in Marseille at some point, but obviously he was soon under the French police authorities' observation, but again, he sneaked out. 
posing as a builder and an art student, Peter the painter enjoyed the seaside and, of course, plotted, guess what, more anarchist activities. Because, you see, Latvian anarchists were still acting strong in Latvia, where local police still tried to find the mystical surveyor who they thought still hid there. Meanwhile, in Boston, Latvian anarchists caused another gunfight by attacking a local pub. One was killed, others escaped. The police investigation, again, showed that the attacks had connections with Fritz Svars, who was a close comrade of Peter the Painter. And, well, apparently by this point, Peter the Painter had organized another, uh, other armed attempts of robberies and, and other crimes all across Europe. But, of course, that was definitely not enough. You see, on July 18th, 1909, Russian police had caught one Janis Lapinch, who was arrested for shooting at a store owner, one Mr. Stahl. While during interrogation, he confessed to be sent to Latvia by orders of the Latvian and Russian anarchist rig. Led by a Russian, Alexei Telpov, the group summoned him to transport literature and weapons. Along with him, four men, under false names, arrived in Latvia to start another anarchist armed struggle. They called themselves the Baltic Federation Anarchist Group Avenger. The group was arrested, but two of them, Alfred Zirkals and Yuris Leivinge, managed to escape, out of whom two later were involved in the Houndstitch murders. And on October 1909, Fritz Svars in London was visited by his cousin Jakobs Peters, or Jakob Peters, who was for a long time actually considered to be the real Peter the Painter, although, well, now we know it's not the case. He himself was an experienced revolutionary during the 1905 struggles, and he was still true to the social democratic cause, and was quite a bit angered by the ideological shift of his cousin Svars. He left London after three months to become a famous Bolshevik, a member of Cheka during the Civil War of Russia. However, uh, if you go back to Russia and Civil War and become a member of Cheka, yeah, he perished in, in the Stalin's purges. But all of this comes together when, in London, in 1909, another Latvian anarchist group, this time called Flame, emerged. It was created by Svars, Hartmanns, and another man about whom I didn't really find much, called Max Smoller. Also, there was a Russian-Latvian couple involved, Nina Vasilyeva and William Sokolov. The anarchists conducted a ton of similar robberies and operations long before the famous murders. And also, in this, this they were also helped by Ed Prowley, quite likely. They liked to enter jewelry shops by drilling a hole in the roof, and then just, well, they wanted to steal all the goods. Three such thefts were recorded in total during their criminal activities. However, the fun part starts when Peter the Painter himself, on October 1910, arrived at London. And, obviously, he headed directly to Fritz Svars. There, he was introduced as Peter Piatkov to Svart's mistress, Lyuba Milstein. On November the 4th, the trio moved to the Grove Street house number 4. The Russian secret police made a report of Latvian anarchists attempting to unify the separate groups in one group in a congress along London. And on April the 14th, according to Russian intelligence, the special committee was made and led by, well, Peter the Painter. The journal Freedom issued a gratitude of cash flows from the London group. The last issue before the Houndstitch murders of Freedom had an annual financial report made by our surveyor. This committee needed substantial financial funding that could only be gathered 
by the use of more criminal activities, according to the views of Peter the Painter. And sadly, this is where we'll uh, leave off this episode, because, well, I'm sad to say, but the Latvian historical database English version is just awful, and I'll try to find some other sources for the Sydney Street Siege and the murders, because, well, they deserve to be taught about, but that one is going to be in part two about Peter the Painter. However, depending on the length of that one, I might squeeze in my other crazy Latvians, who are mostly not criminal. Well, mostly. Some of them are really cool explorers, but not exactly sure. However, I'll try my best. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this kind of start of a weird tale of one of our most famous, well, bomb-throwing anarchists. But sometimes, well, sometimes these guys also need to be mentioned. Do svidanje, tovarish. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border Show. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website, theeasternborder.lv, and leave a comment there. Or email us at theeasternborder at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer. You can also follow us on social media and contact us there. If you enjoyed this episode, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. It really helps us grow the show. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.